So today's message is we're, we're trying to answer the question, what are, you, what are we doing with our one and only life? And if you know me, like I'm not bringing like this, this sweet cookie with like chocolate chips on it, like I'm bringing like a two by four this morning for the new year, right? So um, I'm excited. And it's titled Last Full Measure. So a few weeks ago, I was, I was um, actually more than a month ago, I was looking at what are the big blockbuster movies? It's like my favorite thing. What are the big blockbuster movies that are coming out Christmas and um, January? And of course, I'm like, I actually have already gone down to the Orpheum Theater, and I'm like, okay, when are we getting Star Wars, <laughs> you know? And so I'm learning what it's like in Kodiak to be patient and wait, right? All good things will come to those who, who are patient. <laughs> and so, so they said two weeks, we'll have Star Wars. So if you guys want to pack out the house with me, um, popcorn's on me, on Myra. I'll pop, Myra will buy popcorn for everybody. She's got more money saved than I do. Uh, but, the, but there's this one movie called Last Full Measure, The Last Full Measure, and it's based on a true story of a uh, U.S. Air Force airman, a, a paramedic rescue, um, who went, during the Vietnam War, um, went, uh, volunteered actually, he was on the tail end of his service, so imagine he's on, he's like, I'm leaving in, in six months or three months, whatever, he was right at the tail end of his service. And they asked for some volunteers to step up. There were, some, there were a, a platoon or a large group of men in trouble in the jungle. And so several men volunteered to go out and rescue these, these men in the jungle. And he uh, rappelled down out of a helicopter into, a, I think, a hole in the canopy that might be as, as, as tight as this one section of the roof here. So the helicopter pilot couldn't see anything. And so he drops these men down in this hole and then fighting happened for the next 48 hours. So this one, this one guy, William Pitsenberger, this is what this movie's about, it's a true story. William Pitsenberger, they call him Pitts for obvious reasons. It's a very tough last name, almost as bad as Lundstrom, right? You guys can just call me Lunchbox, so if that makes it easier. Pastor Lunchbox. Actually, that's an elementary name. So his name's Pitts. And that evening, um, he kept waving off the rescue helicopter, every time they came by, he'd load up men, and he, he waved them off so he could stay. And he must have waved them off more than half a dozen times. He decided to stay. And what turned out to be that one 48 hours um, he spent and saved over 60 men's lives. He repaired them medically. He built actually stretchers out of vine and out of uh, tree limbs. Um, he actually armed each of them so they can defend themselves. Um, and I, I can't even imagine what that evening was like. But this guy gave the, the last full measure. Would you agree? The last, he went the last full measure as a volunteer, as someone who was, who was about to exit his service in the Vietnam War. And he, and he also gave his life. He didn't make it out that night. And for, for obvious reasons, you guys know about the Vietnam War and our history in American culture. For obvious reasons, um, very few people received medals of honor during that time. It, it just, they, they, no one, our American culture, we as American citizens at that time, we weren't going to allow anyone to be honored during that war because we were against it. So many, many, many years later, um, William Pitsenberger, this is what this movie is about, is finally receiving the Medal of Honor. And I thought, how cool is that? Right, that we, 
no good deed ever, ever goes unnoticed. And sometimes it feels to us at that time, you know, that sacrifice, I'm sure to his family, they were, they were wondering when, when, were, when was he going to be recognized for the work that he did, for the price that he paid. And yes, we're going to be in Scripture today, so, and I'm going to parallel these two stories. So I've got this true story about Pitts, about William. And I also want to look at, so join me in John 3, 22. And I'm actually going to start in John 1. But we're going to look at the life of, of John the Baptist. So today's message isn't about William. It's not about the movie. It's about this one thing. Are we living intentionally? Right? Are we living intentionally? So, so I don't know, several of you maybe got up and got New Year's resolutions going already. I think I've, I've read two days of the one-year Bible plan, so I'm like Damon Hargraves. So I've, I've got a little bit of catching up to do. Um, we've got one-year Bible plans in the back. Some of you have filled the gym already, you know, Lindsay Knights, um, Kodiak Athletic Club. Blake and I are heading over there tomorrow morning, so I don't know if we're going to do the 6 a.m. or the 9 a.m., but, but you feel free to join us. Or the, or the mission, some of these guys work out in some secret spot at the mission. You've got to get in that club. There's some, some things you have to do to be able to make it with that team. Intentionality. The fact of being deliberate. In your sermon notes, you can read this. Purposive. The quality of mental state, thoughts, belief, desires, hopes that consist in their being directed towards some object or state of affairs intentionality. I pulled some quotes around this. One day you will wake up and there won't be any more time to do the things you've always wanted to do. So do it now. That's by Paolo Cuccino. This next one by Chuck Smith. You only have one life and it soon will be passed. How many of us are feeling that, right? Like past 45-ish, I think it starts setting it. You start going, oh, wow. <laughs> like those first 40 years, they went by like this. And if we're lucky enough, we'll get another 45. This last one, Gary V. Um, I, I don't know if I endorse this guy or not. I, he's got some... Awesome entrepreneurial skills, but this quote's great. Um, disclaimer, he's got terrible language on the internet, so don't go look up Gary V. But this quote's awesome. The younger generation loves this guy, so I, I had to throw one in there for them. You only get to play this game one time, and you only get one life. So for all you video gamers, that one's for you. You get one life, one game. We actually left the movie theater, watched Jumanji in our theater here, and it, it was kind of cool again seeing The Rock, you know, seeing The Rock went over in that game. Our kids loved it. It was, it was great family time. So this first blank in your message notes, what will you do with this one and only life? And I don't expect, that you, I don't expect us to have that answer today. Like this is something that I hope that we will wrestle with for, for the rest of this week and the rest of the series. Am I being intentional with my one and only life? So let me start and read in John. This is our model, right? There's a reason why I picked John the Baptist, and we're going to talk about it. But let me start. 
in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And you don't have this part, so just listen on this first part and I'll transition. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. There's, there's the reason why it's talking about the light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all may believe through him. He was not the light. John wasn't the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So most of you know that's talking about John the Baptist. And John was already ushering in. I mean, John's whole life, and we're going to go through it a little bit detail by detail. John's whole life, his whole purpose, like his whole life was intentional. Like if you, if you think of the word intentional, think John the Baptist. He was made to do one thing. And most of you know what that one thing was. He was made to, tell, to bring light to the darkness, to tell people there is a king coming, there is one savior coming, and that's Jesus Christ. So here's what I love about John. Before Jesus came to this earth, this is the one thing that I pray for every church in America to catch a vision of again. Right? I've seen, I've seen the secret church movement. I was raised in the Catholic church and the Baptist church as a young man. I was a part of the Assembly of God church at some point in time. That's a whole other story. I got to see all these religions. You know what I found to be true in all of those religions? That Jesus was real. That the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ was the thing that we're supposed to be standing on. And nothing against all those other religions because they've got some things working for them, but, but those are secondary to this one thing. And the second thing that I found was, was the most important was God's Word. So John the Baptist had this right from the beginning. His life was nothing but intentionality. Let me join me in your sermon notes. John 3, 22-36. Let me see if I can prove this for you. And if you get bored, just raise your hand and I'll have you come up and help me finish the rest of it. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. Alright, so John 3, 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples. So the after this is referring to Jesus meets John the Baptist and meets a few of John's disciples and says, hey, come and be my disciple. Um, and that's actually what I was trying to, trying to tell you all ago and I actually forgot what my point was. The point was is John the Baptist was already discipling before Jesus even came onto the scene. Like before Jesus even came here with the good news and said, I'm the light, I'm the way, John was actually calling men to follow him and say, we, I want to prepare you for the real king that's coming. He was spending time with other men to say, follow me, we've got work to do. So after this, after Jesus met John and called him, and John and, and Andrew said yes, after Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was, was baptizing at Anon near Salim 
because water was plentiful there near the Jordan River. I don't know if you guys have seen the Jordan River. And people were coming to be and being baptized. And this is before John was put in prison. So John had been baptizing in the Jordan River. Go therefore and make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Is what Jesus had said. That's his commandment to us. What's cool is John was already doing that. Because why? Because he's a man of intentionality. I'm already excited about this, but it's because I'm about to get to the exciting part for you guys. John was baptizing. So in 25, now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples. So these are the men that John had been discipling. And a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, who was it? Who was with you across the Jordan? So the Jordan River where he was baptizing. To whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptized. And all are going to him. And John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. We'll talk about the significance of that statement in a moment. You yourself can bear witness, bear me witness, that I said, I am not the Christ. This is John. But I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. Does that sound familiar? Like those of us that maybe, maybe don't walk the spiritual life. They spend time wearing earthly things. And it's not all bad. But he's making a distinction, distinction here. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. But he who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what has been seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God sent utters the words of God, for it gives his spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Living intentionally, and this is the next thing in your notes, and purposefully is the source for unstoppable joy. I'm going to go back and read John's words because I don't, I don't want you to miss it. He says, he says, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. And it, and it continues on there, but it ends with, therefore this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase. I must decrease. This joy of mine is now complete. When you're living intentional, like, you're dr like we're driving at something. When we're living intentionally, it's like I've got a destination that I'm going to. Like it's clear as day, and you're not, you're not going to stop me from getting to that. Like when, when God lights something in your heart, and he says, this is what you were made for. And he says, this is what you were made for, and this is what I want you to do, and here's the path, and here's where you're going. Like, how many, how many of us in here can, like, raise our hand high and say, I've got that. I'm 100% clear. Like, God's called me to do this. 
Like, I know it's not always as clear as what we're reading here, right? Like, this is the perfect, like, um, it's true story, but it's like the perfect version of, you know, John the Baptist was made to proclaim the Christ. Like, he was literally, that's what his life was about. He was, he was Christ's age, you know that? Like, he actually grew up with Christ. They were family members. He grew up with Jesus. Um, he was six months older than Jesus. So, um, talk about someone, imagine growing up with your cousin, right? And then your whole job becomes more clear and more clear. And I'd be curious to see how he, like, realized this, you know, after, after teenage years or maybe college-age years, how this became clear to him. I'd say his parents in the community said, you've got one job. And John grew in that one job. And at some point he said, like, he made that decision, right? His parents couldn't make that decision for him. His community couldn't make that decision for him. But John, at some, and I'm imagining around, you know, late 20s, decided, yeah, this is real. Like, this is real. This, this, sorry, this dude's real. <laughs> like, he's everything that, that people were saying that he is. And he said, I'm all in. Like, I, I now see what I'm supposed to do. He didn't see... What's cool is he didn't see what the finish line looked like. He just saw, okay, I, I've got one job. I'm supposed to proclaim about Christ. The real king is coming. What will you do with this one and only life is the question I'm, I'm hoping you're pondering. Living intentionally and purposely is the source for unstoppable joy. I mean, John says it, Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, talking about Jesus' life. I must decrease. Why was that important? This is so important in the church today, and this is the thing that I hope that all churches across the United States, across the world get this, and a lot of churches have it right. We are, we are called to make disciples in Jesus' name. Right? Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If, like, if, any, if any one of us Christians are wondering, right, the, the day this came like super crisp and clear for me, like I was like, I'm in. Like that's actually really easy. <laughs> I can do that, right? And, I, and you're talking about somebody who's preferred to be behind a computer screen, right, programming software. Like that's actually what I did, designing front-end interfaces for software and branding for, you know, for marketing agencies. That's, that's what I wanted to do with my life. And it paid really well, by the way. <laughs> it, like, was awesome. But once this got a hold of me, and then the reason why I mentioned the mountain this morning, once it cemented after my first baptism in a mountain in a, in a snowmelt lake in the Rocky Mountains in New Mexico, I'm reading these words, and these words became so crystal clear to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we, there's a, a little Filipino friend of ours. Uh, he had told us that day when we, when we walked past Horseshoe Lake in the Rocky Mountains is on our way to Summit, the peak of, of Wheeler, the highest peak in New Mexico. He said, I, I want to get baptized today. I haven't been baptized, and I've been waiting. And he goes, do you think, 
do you think, you know, my family would mind if I got baptized with you guys in the mountains? I said, well, I said, they'll probably be excited. <laughs> and I said, they'll probably be mad that you did it with all a bunch of guys in the mountains, right? We've been stinky, dirty men for six days in the mountains. And I said, you, I said, maybe call them just in case. I said, but we're ready if you are. Like, we're ready if you are. So we made it to the top of the mountain. What's cool about this whole story is none of our cell phones work, so I didn't know how he was going to call them. Supposedly, when you got to the very top, yourself, you got signal. So we get, to this, we get to the top, you know, we take our photos, we do 20 minutes of quiet time, and he, he gets a hold of his family. And his brother was on this trip also, so I think they just met and said, dude, we're doing this. And on the way back down, we, we stopped and we baptized him. Joy comes from living intentionally for something greater than ourselves. What are we doing with our one and only lives is the question. Like, joy isn't like a, it's not a short-term temporary feeling. We've talked about this before, right? It's not like happiness where we can get this like short-term happy high, right? That's, that's what we're praying for and a little bit of darker side of, of all the people on our island, right, that are using and, and it's, addiction is very real, right? My, well, I, almost, I have family members that struggle with very real addiction, and they always tell me, Larry, you'll never understand. Like, you'll never understand what this is like. Happiness is like that. It's short-term, and you have to go back to that thing again and again and again because it's fleeting, and it doesn't last. It's not real. Joy, however... Joy is knowing my purpose, right? Joy is knowing I'm on this path and it's going somewhere. And, and only real joy comes from what? Belonging to something way bigger than myself. Because when I'm, when I'm dependent on just me and just Larry's small world and like the things that I want to do, like God shatters that stuff all the time. Am I the only one? That God says, ah, that's not it, and just shatters it. And I'm standing there going, okay, well, what is it? <laughs> like, like, I was chasing after this thing at Duke Energy. I was chasing after VP of, of corporate communications. Because those dudes looked like they were having fun, man, rolling around in a King Ranch leather Ford pickup truck 4x4 and flying all over the world, like, you know, those are the dudes that get to go climb Everest and have these incredible like life experiences because like that was my definition of happiness back then. What's cool is I never knew God had something better in plan better planned. He knew I'd be standing with you in, in Kodiak, Alaska, with snow covered mountains as the backdrop that we get to climb every day if we want to. Like he said, Larry, I've got a plan for you, and it's, it's not that. Every single person in this room, I just, whether you, you have high faith or not, whether you have a high measure of faith or not, I just ask you to take one small step of faith. Say, all right, God, I'm here. Like, I want joy. I want joy that'll last this whole year, way more than a New Year's resolution. Like, I want something real. And, and my prayer is that you see it because it's supernatural and he's the only one that can make it happen. That you could see it in your life. 
There's nothing special about me. You guys know that, right? Like, I am just a flawed, like, messed up dude. Emil's like, what? (laughs) Like, we would have never hired you, man. (laughs) Messed up dude, just like the rest, just like everyone else. Except this, at some point I realized that I was chasing my plan. And I said, all right, I'm, I'm ready. Let me keep going. We've got communion today, so I may have to cut this message short and continue part two next week. John the Baptist ushered in Christ because that was his job. John the Baptist fulfilled his purpose because he knew that was his job. He read the job description and he said, all right, I accept it, I'm in. That job description is way better than the one I wrote for myself. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. There's a hierarchy happening here. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. This is meant to reveal what's driving us, what we're living for. Are what we're living for, like, is all we're living for the things of this earth? Is that all we're living for? And I'm not, me- I'm not meant to be condemning or convicting on that. Like, I'm just saying, it's a question. Or are we also looking towards eternity, towards heaven? Guys, the next generation needs us. Like, if you're wondering what you're doing here right now, like, I believe it with all my heart, the next generation needs us. Like, we have, I think it was like 13% of our young generation over the last 10 years has said, no, I, don't, I, don't need, I don't need that relig- religious stuff that you guys have. Like, I don't believe it, I don't need it. And so there, there's been a 13% drop in those who are coming up in these generations, next generations, are saying, I, I don't need that. And they're right. Like, they don't need religious rules and all these things that we make people jump through hoops to get to, right? Like, that's, that's religion. They need us being real to say, you know what, I'm, like, I'm imperfect, but I believe that Christ was real. Like, I believe all those eyewitness accounts. Like, I believe what the Dead Sea Scrolls say, right? Like, I believe these artifacts that are coming out that continue to prove over and over and over again about how true God's Word is. And it does. It takes faith to step out. Our next generation needs us. And they're watching. They are watching each of you. I, I actually texted a friend of mine this morning. This, this part was so convicting for me. I actually texted probably 12 different guys who essentially had a little bit of time in my life to say, hey, God's doing something in your life. Pay attention to that. And I texted one particular guy in Chicago, a guy who's responsible for launching 140 church plants around the world. He's in Kathmandu right now. And he's seen the light spread like faster than than you can imagine. And I just said, Kirk, I want you to know that my time in Chicago, I was watching you. And I, I fell in love with this idea of seeing the light spread around the world, seeing the light reveal in the darkness. 
and seeing Christ's name multiply. Belonging to the things of heaven and earth require boldness. That's the next item in your sermon note. Belonging to the things of heaven and earth require boldness. John lived a life focused on purpose to point the coming of Christ. He was discipling, he was preaching, and he was baptizing in the Jordan River. I hope you get to go see that one day if you haven't already. In Matthew 3, 13, it talks about this. Then Jesus came to, from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? This is Jesus and John talking. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. He said, okay. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God was descending like a dove and lighting on him. And the voice of heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. See, back then, baptism, what's important about baptism is before Christ, baptism was used to show and to predict. It was a symbol of the death burial and resurrection of Christ. Baptism was about repentance. Remember we talked about it. Repentance is just, I'm going my way, right? I've got my plan, and I'm, on, I'm living on purpose. I'm living with my purpose in mind, and repentance is saying, I'm done with that. Father, forgive me of my sin, and I'm going your way. That's what baptism meant. And because everyone knew that, Christ said, no, John, I want you to baptize me. And it was a symbol of the beginning of Christ's ministry. Boldness is focusing on others. And I like to say this, and I'm actually going to end with this third bullet point, but, but let me end with a few questions and a challenge, and I'll have to finish this next week. Who are you? Where are you? And how can I help you take a next step? So if boldness is focusing on others, I believe the Christian faith can be boiled down into these three questions, right? I believe our job is to simply get to know others. It's really simple. Like what's missing from the church today? Relationship. Just hanging out. Dare I say having a beer at the pub downtown. Just hanging out. Loving one another. Who are you? Where are you? How can I help you take a next step? Look, look at, read through all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and look how Christ interacted with people. Like he spent time getting to know who people really were. He, spent, he knew, he spent time getting to know where they were in their spiritual walk. And what's really cool is like almost 90% of the time before he left them, he like actually gave them a next step, right? Go and sin no more. <laughs> like, that's an awesome next step. You're like, all right, got it. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll try. I'll try my best. Or come and follow me. I'll show you how to make fishers of men. Or go to the end of the earth declaring my name. 
Like he always had a next step. So this is the one thing I like to ask everyone in church and everyone in ministry and everyone who comes through these doors. It's like, who are, who are we sitting across the table with during the week? Like John Reff and I have started a new, new tradition. We've got Friday lunch together. And John, he said, he said I've got one thing I, I'm, I'm praying and I'm hoping that you do. This is what's cool. And he said, Larry, I, I don't think we've heard it in a while how important it is, the, whole, the symbol of baptism. Like for those in our church that haven't decided to be baptized yet, he goes, I don't know that, this, that these next generations understand how important that symbol is. It shows repentance, right? Repentance is what saves us. Baptism is the symbol. And it sounds like some, some old school Christian religious tradition. And I promise you, I'm, I'm against a lot of like religious tradition stuff out there unless it helps you. Like I want to focus on Christ. This isn't, this isn't a tradition. Th- this is like a real turn towards Christ to say I want to be baptized. This is a real public profession of faith that says I'm all in like have all of me the symbol is death we bury you and your sins in the water resurrection in Christ death burial and resurrection and I just want to challenge you guys today um, we've scheduled a a, a a talk, a discussion to give you more information about this this Thursday. And I'd love to meet with you one-on-one if you can't make it on Thursday. Like, it's not about filling a class, I promise. This is for those of you who didn't ever make the decision to be baptized. Maybe your parents made that decision for you to be christened, much like me. You know, I grew up in in the Catholic faith, and I was christened, and then later on, I I made the decision to be baptized on my own. That was my decision. So I just want to say for those of you who haven't been baptized, um, I'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that. So I'll, give, I'll have a moment here where we can pray about that. So next Sunday, uh, we will hold baptisms. And we hold those here in our church. And it's going to be a huge celebration. If you, if you want to like, be baptized in the ocean and do the polar bear plunge, like I'd be happy to do that with you too. Like, right? Like, however you, we want this to happen, but, but I want it to be real. John the Baptist came. He made disciples. He preached the word. He preached about repentance. He baptized people in Christ's name. And then when Christ came and his ministry started, he baptized Jesus himself and then said, follow him. Follow me as I follow him, right? That's all I'm, that I'm just trying to give everyone in our church that opportunity. For those of you that are, that are new to this, this thing called Christianity and faith and maybe haven't been through a church doors in a while, I'm saying I'm so glad you're here and I'm, I am not trying to pressure you into doing something you don't want to do. But I also, if you're sitting here today and, and something's kind of, kind of hitting you in the chest, hitting you in the heart, I guess you don't ignore that either. You know, God loves you way more than you know. He has an intentional path that he's just trying to call you on. 
And none of us are perfect on this path, by the way. Like, none of us. Like, any shame or guilt or whatever you might be carrying because of your past, it's not from God. It's not. I can promise you that. He loves you. And um, if you've been holding out and said that baptism Christian thing isn't for me, um, I just I, I ask you just to think about it again. For those of you that are that are in this faith, that are already in the walk, that are already Christians and followers of Christ, my next question for you is this: Are are you following what John and Jesus have called us to do? Are we making disciples? Are we telling people there's a better way? And are we baptizing people together as a family? That, that's not my job because I wear this little, little vinyl tag that says pastor, right? That's our job as the church. Let me pray and I'll wrap this up and then I'll have to continue. Let me give you this last bullet point for those of you who, who won't be able to sleep unless that last blank is filled. <laughs> I've actually heard that before. OCD, right? I'm guilty. Boldness is leading intentionally towards eternity. That's all it is. I don't know what leadership training you've gone to, whether it's in the Coast Guard or back in the corporate world or in some of the books you've pulled off of the shelf, but let me give you a better definition of leadership. And I think God will, I think Jesus will high five us for this one when we get to heaven. Leaders are people who walk with God, who work with people to accomplish a mission. That's a leader. If you read back through these scriptures, you'll see there's hierarchy all through this. God's trying to say, keep your mind on heaven. Don't just focus on these things that we find important on this earth. Like, I promise I have a mission for you, and it is so good. And it's going to bring so much joy. Let me pray, and then we'll wrap up and do communion. Please join me. Father, we love you so much. God, I am so thankful and humbled to be able to share this mission that you tell us about and you've invited us to. Father, I thank you for every single man, woman, and child that made it through the doors today and are within earshot of this church and our community. Father, I thank you how intentional and purposeful you are. Father, for those who are, who are praying about and just wondering, is, is it time for me to be baptized? Is it time for me to make that decision to be my decision, not anyone else's decision but mine, to repent from my life and decide, Christ, you are my Lord, and I, I want to tell everybody. Father, I pray that you confirm that today with them. You know who they are, and you love them. Father, I thank you for those of us that have, have decided to be on this path and have decided that we're all in, that we love you, we want eternity. But God, before we get to eternity, I ask that you just make it real today, the people that are right around us, that you're calling us to go to the last full measure to share your son 
God, let us shed all of this religious stuff that we've learned that man made and let us just stay in your word and on our knees in prayer and let us lift up your son as the only way. We love you. Father, thank you for being with us. Please forgive us um, for when we fail, but thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.